0: Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to
1: the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. We have another special guest from Phoenix, Arizona, Ray and Ab. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's going on? Hey, man! Thank you for having us uh, in your office. Thank you. Uh, by the way, Thank you for being here and for even giving us a bottle of scotch, as you guys can see, something I like. Uh, I don't drink as much as I used to, but uh, now we were just having fun talking before the podcast, and and I'm curious to get to know both of you guys more at a a personal level. um, What happens, and I've seen this over and over and over again, not only in Phoenix, but in many other cities, it gets to the point to where, yeah, you can make money, you can have multiple deals going on and, and, and all that, but what my audience gets more interested about is, who are these guys? Are they relatable, right? Do they have a story? Like, you know, where do you come from? What, like,
2: let's start there. Where, where do you guys come from? Maybe start run run it. <laughs> Go ahead. Right ahead. So I, I come from Mexico. I'm okay. from Mexico, born in Mexico. Uh, Till I was seven years old, came out here. I am- now, do you say Mexico or Mexico? I say Mexico. Mexico. I was seven years old when I when grew, you came in. You were little. I'm more here than over. Yeah. Country. I still say Mexico. It is Mexico. What part? of Mexico? Veracruz. Okay. Veracruz. Um, seven years old. Came in as an immigrant <clears throat> with a family, and that's kind of how my story unfolds. Is just coming, be, being illegally here, venture. Being able to fix my status and all that stuff and just get into a place where I'm at now, that's where I come from. Um, okay. But you want me to go into the story right now? Absolutely, just no, just <laughs> keep going. So, so you came from Mexico seven years old, seven right? Seven years old, yep. Uh, at that time, it, it's crazy, this is like 2001. Um, when we were brought brought in, they actually the lady that brought us in brought us in as her children, with my pa- with my mom in there, passing as a nana. Right. We got they they actually during the transition um, we got pulled over because the ladies were drunk. They got drunk to get hyped up to right. uh, to get us over. Um, they get pulled over, immigration stops them. They check everybody and they didn't have uh, papers, fake papers from my right. parents from my mom. And so they take my mom. And myself and my two other, I have a, I'm the oldest, and I have a younger brother and a sister, and um, they had already told us, if they everybody asks, asked, she's your mom, not me, I'm the nana and all that stuff. And so my sister wakes up, she starts crying, she's like, uh, mama, mama, and so the guy comes back, he's like, why is he calling him mom? And uh, I knew a little bit of English, they told me if they ask, just say, "Is your nana. I was like, oh, it's, it's my nana, and so I just hugged my sister and hugged her tight. And, um, they, they, they ended up living with my mom and my aunt. And there's this three little kids in a car, that two women that were driving, uh, with this random ladies we just met that night. And like, you think about it now, it's so crazy, right? That it's fucking that unreal, happened, dude. right? But thankfully, um, nothing bad happened. We were able to make it through. We ended up spending the night, I believe it's Tucson or something. Um, there The next morning, I was so scared, I didn't know. Mom was gone, right? I didn't so know if my dad days. was gonna be here. My dad was already here, if he was gonna be at the pickup point. Um, but thankfully everything worked out. We got here, get down from the car, my dad's there and um, yeah, I he was I had not seen my dad for a year, he had come a year before us to scope out the area. Right. Um, and then yeah, just grew up right here. I grew up in the sunny Slope area, uh, rough area, not the good side, the, the bad side of Sunnyslope. The west side, right? Yeah. Uh, drugs. You're about the third stuff. guy I interviewed that's <laughs> from that area. Yeah, so sunny Slope area, until freshman year, there actually, I was, the neighborhood was, there was a lot of gangs and stuff like that. And at one point, the SWAT team came to take down a, people that were selling drugs in the apartment complex that was in front of our house and they used our house as the like the, the snipers yeah got on top of our roof underneath our cars and all that stuff so when they got taken out they thought we were the ones that called the SWAT team on oh, them. Wow. So a couple of months later we started getting drive-bys at our house thankfully it never hit nobody uh, but that was kind of like the wake-up call for my dad 2009 he had some money saved up he looked to buying a house so, um, a couple of months went by, six months into it. Uh, I did not know this at the time, I'm in real estate now, but his boss substituted to a home for him and he was just having my dad make the payments to him. He was making the payments under his name. <clears> That's um, how my dad was able to get a house in 2009. Uh, I went through high school. I always liked engineering, so I stayed in engineering. I was a swimmer during high school as well. Finished high school. Um, was working for an Arabic guy selling oriental rugs. So that's how I, that's how I got my experience in, in, in selling sales. and negotiating. I actually negotiating. He, he showed me how to negotiate getting a car and going to different dealers, getting a dealer to give you uh, a price and taking that to another dealer. And when he was actually getting my dad's house, he also showed us how to negotiate mortgages. So he would get a statement and then he would take it to another bank. and like, he can you do better. They would lower the interest and take it to someone else. He, he would do it like until everybody said enough. <laughs> but he would drop the price. Guys. I learned negotiations from him. Um, in a way, he's he's really one of the guys that guided me into business alongside my dad. My dad was, worked for him. But whenever there was like convention places, because it was in the, in the uh, Oriental Rug World, he would take us to Las Vegas, where all that stuff came out. And uh, he would show us how he would negotiate with wholesalers to stock his stores. And also, he, we were little kids like, 12, 13-year-olds were just walking around with him, and when he would sit down and negotiate, he would have us sit like in the corner, just listening to what he was talking to these to people about. So I got introduced into the business world that way. Um, my dad was always the type of guy that said, I'm not gonna buy you shit. If you wanna get something, you gotta at least get, it. if it's something big, like we, we used to like play video games, like game consoles, um, he would always say, get half of it. Once you got half of it, I'll put the other half. But if you want video games, you gotta buy them yourself. Hmm. So he would always make us work. The minute we got, we turned 13, 12, we would start going to work with him on the weekends, uh, going to school and all that stuff. So he really showed us the value of, you know, just owning things and- What, what, do, you, what do you do for a living? So my dad used to sell the Oriental Rugs. He had broken English, okay. but he was so, so personable and his accent was so catchy that people actually love buying stuff from him. Oh wow. Because of the way he sold the Oriental Rugs. Right. He always show, share the story of the rugs, where they were made, how they're made, how they get imported here, you know, what differentiates one oriental handmade rug from another one and all that type of stuff. So he was wow. a salesman for, for him. Uh, he was also his, um, inventory manager. So his warehouse managers, he handled all the stuff that was coming in. He made sure everything was in inventory and all that stuff. And he also used to handle the deliveries. Um, and so that I, when it was weekends, it was delivery days. I used to go with my dad and deliver these rugs at multi-million-dollar homes. Right. Got into to you know, people that are wealthy, and that's actually how I made my money because most people would give us tips. Oh, there's a little kids working with you with, with dad and all that stuff. We were going to deliver, you know, move the furniture, install the rug, put the furniture back and on top of the the handmade rugs rug. like that. And so that's that's how I um, got into serving other people and understood what customer service was, especially talking to wealthy people. Um, finished high school. As I was getting finish, ready to finish high school, um, I had, I had a, my girlfriend um, at the time. She helped me. we I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I did not know. I did not have a social. So when I was getting ready to go to college, it, it was a hard time for me to get. This is when our pile was at its peak, deporting a lot of people and all that stuff. And my girlfriend at the time, she had a out of, I don't know if she was a joke or something, but I guess it turned to reality. She was joking, she was like, "Uh," like, I don't want you to get deported. You know, if there is ever in the future we have a future together and there's ever kids, I don't want you I don't want us to be worrying about You, you not know, being around not now. being around or anything like that. Why don't we look into me helping you pitch papers? I've heard if you get married you could and I was like, Whoa, hold up, I'm already coming out of high school. I'm not <laughs> looking to tie them to nothing me, like that. married she was like, <laughs> she was like, No, I'm lo- I'm looking to help you and if he's like I'm willing to do it for the marriage and and just for the papers. We go through high through um, finish high school and we go through college and after college if we still want to be together we can be together we can do it after college as well it doesn't really matter to me I'm just saying I want to have that option for she you had and, uh, <laughs> she, <locking> <laughs> she had a game plan and she was locking him up she had game plan short uh, we started talking to lawyers because we were interested in how that would work and the whole fact that I came here as a kid So the problem was, if I stay here over 18, I became an adult. And as an adult, I was making an adult decision to stay here illegally. Because I was brought here, I could fight the case. If I won the case of her asking me for residency, if I lost there's a penalty for 10 years. So I would have to go back to Mexico for 10 years, serve that penalty, and then be able to come back at the time. The lawyer said this, because we were planning on doing it until after we were done with our university, right? And the lawyer said this. Before you turn 18, if you leave to Mexico, then you will never accumulate any adult points of being here illegally. therefore you're not held liable for what happened. So you can go to Mexico, and then have her request you one or two years. So go to college in Mexico if you want. Finish college over there, what she does is this, and starts the process, and then come back in legally. This is a 17 year old, you know, I talked to my parents, my parents were like, you know what? We, we don't want to have any decision in this, it's your decision, we're not gonna say yes, we're not gonna say no, just think about what you're doing, right? Um, we talked to different lawyers and everybody, it was like 50-50, them was like, you're gonna stay here, we're gonna fight the case, but there was always that risk, like if we lose the case, you gotta go back for you 10 to go years. Back. Yeah. Everybody was like, and the other ones were like, no, you gotta leave before you turn 18, and my birthday's in August, so I graduated at 17 not at 18, like a lot of my other friends would. And um, I ended up making the decision, I said, you know what, okay, I'ma leave. So, finished my graduation, Um, we got married through civil court, um, and then left, like literally a month before my birthday. Ended up spending two years in Mexico, uh, be living with my grandparents and learning what it's like to live in a third world country. Yep. I was an English teacher over there because I showed up and I spoke English. Right. I used to win five hundred pesos uh, a week. Okay, that's equivalent to like fifty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> a week, yeah. barely enough for my bus, yep. for my little you know tortas for lunch, and and after I say that, for a couple of months, extra clothes and stuff like that. But when I was over there, I told my dad, hey, don't send any money out here. Send to my grandparents like you always send money to them. Uh, I want to see what it's like to kind of sustain to myself. Make it on your own. Yeah, let me see. Like, okay. So, so what, what, where do you go in Mexico? Back to Veracruz? Or? Back to Veracruz, where my, in my hometown. So it's not the, right at the port. It's a hometown called Orizaba, okay. Veracruz. Um, it's where they call it that La Cuna del Café, because that's, that's where coffee is supposedly was. One, one of the first places that it, it started being produced from. Oh, wow. um, so I went back there and lived there for two years, got to witness. I, it really, that, that whole trip for me, it humbled me a lot. Growing up over here, you grew up with a lot of luxury, spoiled. you you grew up spoiled. My dad used to tell us, man, you're asking for shoes on a monthly basis. Over there, you would be lucky enough to have a pair of shoes every two to three years. Yeah. Once well, And that's once the a a hand year. down. He's like, uh, there's kids that are walking around over there barefoot because barefoot, they don't yeah. have shoes. It's like There's kids that are selling chiclets over there, right? Yeah. And as a little kid, you're like, man, you're just, you're tripping, right? You, you don't truly imagine it. And when I was over there, I got to witness. You I got, got to sure. witness kids using water bottles, flat and now with a little string, uh, sandals, I got to witness kids selling chiclets, and my, yeah, I, I get goosebumps every time I say it because I got to witness it, and I got to witness the pain that comes from people that, that like I do that,
1: right? I was just in Mexico for three weeks, yeah. and I took my kids, right? Yeah. And my six-year-old is asking me why those kids are selling stuff. Yeah. Kids his age. Yeah. Right, and I said, well, uh, when we get back to the hotel, I'll sit down with you and talk to you about it. Yeah. And I, I had to explain, because he was like, that kid is just like me. Yeah. But why is he selling chiclets out here? And they're selling whatever, you know, cigarettes, chiclets, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so I told him, look, they're not as fortunate as you are. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, they have to get, go to work so they can support in their families. And in a lot of cases, those kids are also run down by other people. Yes. Uh, so you have both sides, yes. you know, but, but in your case you made a a conscious decision on you know what i'm just gonna go tough it out and 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 at 17 you're already almost a man you know like an adult um so you can say that um you have know, lived a little bit already, and yeah. and and you're not a six or seven year old kid, right? On the streets, you know, right. um, like we see it, it's, yes. it's there, it's yes, It happens a lot. I grew up in Venezuela, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's no different. It's it's just that we have different accents. Yeah, it's that's it. Uh, from Mexico all the way down to Argentina, yeah, it's all the same. Yeah. Um, food is a little different, but and then you have Colombian women in Colombian Venezuela and Colombian Venezuelans and Brazilians. They're they're a little hotter, but other than that,
2: it's the same problems, yeah. you know. So so you were there for two years? Two years. Actually, it ended up cutting in half. It ended up being one year. The process was going to take two years, and mm-hmm. ended up being a year. Uh, during that time, one of the biggest things that truly, like, put a fire under me was I got to witness, so I hadn't seen my grandma. I, I, I mean, I left when I was seven. I came back at 18. Thankfully, I was able to see all four of them still alive and live that whole year with them. And I got to witness my grandma's pain, of, and fear of her, like we would be randomly eating and she would like randomly start crying. She's like, you remind me so much of your dad. I'm so scared that I'm going to die and not see him again since he's been gone for now going on 16 years long time. That's my biggest fear. And she would like cry. And and that would hit me. I was like, grandma, don't worry. When I come back, this is changing the trajectory. Hopefully I can do something to bring you guys out there, right, if you can't come. And um, I came back. And a year later, right after I come back, we get the notice that she was in the deathbed. I end up going back and she held on for a whole week in her deathbed. I know what she was holding on for. She has three kids that came over here. and in her deathbed, all the other she had seven kids. All the other ones came out here, came came out uh, to to her, to to her hometown, said their goodbyes. My my dad and his family, uh, the other two siblings he's got over here, said their goodbyes through video. Um, I ended up telling my grandma, kind of when she took her last breath, I kind of hugged her. I was like, "Hey grandma, they're not gonna come, you know. If you need a rest, rest." Um, and she looked at me and she shed a tear and she took her last breath and passed away right there. Wow. That's... Um and for me, that was hard, that was hard man. That was, that was really I think hard. Nothing for anybody because, right. you know, you realize now. The sacrifices that are made by different generations, right? From yeah. my grandma's side, then my dad's side as well. Because as a son, you do have to miss your parents, right? He wants to be there with her too. Right. And, and actually, towards the end, they were like, you know what? Grandma's holding on. If she wants us, tell her, we're going to just go. And we're like, Dad, you got to be realistic. You're a 40-plus-year-old man. You come out here and try to make it back. You're not going to go back. You gotta choose your family, right? You're gonna come back to to grandma, but your kids and your wife are back over there. You're gonna be able to make it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, right? that stuff, that's,
1: you know, yeah. that, 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 that's hard for him, and 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 eventually, and, and he needs to build his older family, right? right? The one that's
2: gonna last, yeah. for so all generations. That was the purpose of them coming over yeah. in yeah. the first place. So, so that lit, that lit a fire under me. Um, I, I was when I came back, I was I had made the decision like, whatever, I, I gotta make all the sacrifices, be worth. Everything that all these people have put on to us, literally, that they're, to be they're, they're betting on, yeah. on us being here, be able to change it. So, so what year is this? When you come back here? I come back in two thousand
1: twelve. To the U.S.? Yes. So you were in there in between 10 and 12? Uh, 11 all the way to 12. Okay. Yes. Uh, and So what are you doing between 2012 and, and, and your first... When, when do you get into real estate? What year? This year. This, this year. year? This last year. Okay, so you just
2: started? Yes, in May uh, of this last year. May. So what do you do all this time? <laughs> so from 2012 to 2013... I actually when I came back I said you know what I gotta make things right you know the the, the girl took care of me she's really looking out I'm gonna marry her I'm gonna marry her you know and I, I talked to her dad uh, we had agreed that the marriage that we had done by civil was not gonna be real until we, I actually got married to church because they're very yeah. Catholic in uh, the yeah so even when I came back we still had like boyfriend girlfriend treatment she was at her house I was at my house we had agreed that it wasn't gonna count to that so I was like you know what I'll make it right I get married and when I I get married my father-in-law gets a restaurant uh, a French restaurant he owns in Old Town Cave Creek out here in Arizona his story is crazy how he gets it but Lonsarder he gets it I'm working for Best Buy at the time I go in and he asks for help I, you were
1: on the, on the Geek Squad I was in the Geek Squad alright yes, uh, <laughs> like, shout out to the Geek Squad guys
2: yes so I end up going. I was going to, to school for your business I go and uh, I, I start working with him help him grow establish that business as well we get a website for him I did not know this at the time but I was doing integrator stuff that I, I did not know I was an integrator uh, but I built a website for him we started going to resorts and uh, talking to the concierge at this time saying hey how can you recommend us and, everybody, here in Phoenix? In, in Arizona. Yeah. and everybody started telling us are you on open table no but we'll look into it every resort that we visit here in town everybody was asking if we were an open table so they can send their customers just to open table without having to call us we put the business on open table and it's like we turn on the machine and just people started coming in Coming in and so I did that for two years. Once it started grinding hard I actually got an opportunity as an intern for engineering. I was doing engineering in school um, I told my father, hey, I think my, my work here is done. Your business is cranking. Just continue running and man I'm gonna go into engineering now. I got an opportunity. I leave that and I go into engineering from 2013 all the way to 2017 and During that year in 2015 the guy that was subtween the property to my dad passes away and he had a life insurance, because he's a multimillionaire, that automatically pay all debts for, the, for all the properties. And in order for it to and I understand it, go through probate, all the debt had to be cleared. So his sons get in touch with my dad, and they say, hey, you either gotta sell the house, or you gotta do something, but the house cannot be under my dad's name for it to be, for the for his will to be right. The loan. The loan so they're like if you have kids sell it to your kids we'll give you your, your all your equity that you paid up to this year in 2015 we ended up doing that my brother and me buy that house my dad gets a big chunk of money and i was doing engineering already <clears throat> my dad said like, hey i got some money why don't we start a business guys and i was like you know what i have i'm going through school i'm going to get a degree i'm gonna have a job right i I'm, I'm gonna be able to retire at one point that you probably will not be able to. That's a business. I want, we wanna create a business so that at one point that is your retirement plan. Right. And um, 2015, we established, like December of 2015, we established an LLC for a uh, moving company. <clears throat> we buy a box truck. And every time my dad's always taught us, you know, whenever you're gonna do something, do it right. Yeah, and, and do it professionally. Don't 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 do it half-ass. Don't half-ass, half-ass, half-ass it, right? So we buy a truck, we, we get it wrapped, we get it professionally done. We were going to business school so we understood, you know, making logos and, and not naming it after yourself. You gotta have an exit yeah. plan if you wanna yeah. sell it, build a brand and all that stuff. So we build it. I build a website for it. And at the time, I was doing assembly lines for a lot of warehouses here in town. I was doing uh, some of that for Amazon, PetSmart, Walmart, the engineering company that I worked for. We would go in and look at whatever production line they needed to do, and we would come in and install the machines. We were actually doing a project for Amazon. And with Amazon, I was like a three-month project. I get talking to these engineers and I was talking to them like, hey, we just started a, a business. I got a truck. And I was playing around. I was like, how can we deliver for you? And they were like, you know what? We actually have a program with Alexa where you can say, hey, Alexa, I'm looking for landscapers. I'm looking for pool cleaners. I'm looking for moving companies. And if you're in our servers, we will send you out. You do the job. You, you have you have to be background check, but you prove that you did the job. You take a picture. You have the customer sign. And you leave. Alexa, uh, Amazon charges a customer's card. And then they turn around, they pay you. Amazon gets a chunk of the money. I was like, oh, shit. That's pretty cool let me jump in it so we jump into it and from 2016 all the way to 2017 the business just blows up they were keeping us so busy that we went from one truck to four trucks uh in 2017 they shut down the program and in 2017 i was scheduled to graduate as an engineer as well uh, so i finished my internship I, get, I graduate i start working for another engineering company and um Right as I graduate in May of 2017, in July, I graduated and I put in my thirty, weeks, 30 days notice with the engineering company because so I was about to leave in July to go full time with the family business. So, two thousand seventeen, we start. We I go full time with them. We build a system. Uh, we systemize that whole business, cloud based, for logistics. Because Amazon cut us out, we start partnering with all the local furniture mom and pop shop stores to deliver their their stuff same day or next day. Right. So everything was cloud based. The furniture stores, if they sold something, they would go in there and we, they could say. So same day delivery, next day delivery, and our crews would show up like within 30 minutes, or within 15 minutes sometimes. Because what we would do is if they were on route to a, a job, or they were finishing a job in Scottsdale, I would just go on into their, their computer or their, their service, their, their tablet, that I program, right. I would go in, change the service, So when they were done, they would get in the truck from that delivery, and they would say, oh, the next one, oh, it's a pickup right here at this store. And they would pull up to the store, and I would reroute the other job to another so crew real, that. that was doing something else. Um, And so we were our logistics at some point. And then we started picking up. A whole bunch of furniture stores started picking us up. Uh, We ended up landing restoration hardware in our house. And this is how I get introduced to the real estate game. Once we landed those high-end furniture stores, we started working with interior designers. And these interior designers were doing flips in Paradise Valley, DC Ranch, Leaf, all these other places where investors had enough money to hire them. They were running the whole flips, the whole remodels, the contractors, and we were the ones coming in and staging the home at the end, all that stuff. We were helping them project manage a lot of these flips. And in my head, I was like, damn, whoever is in charge of all of this is it has enough to pay everybody, 18, including 18, us, yeah. right? And they're flipping this house that actually most of them were actually selling the homes already furnished with Restoration Harbor furniture. Um, and I, I was like, damn, there's this money to be made right here in, in the real estate game. And a lot of people that we were delivering furniture to, we would, I was always, I would always ask them, how'd you, uh, how'd you build your wealth about, Ninety percent of the people that I talked to, everybody said real estate, real estate, real estate. So it started being in 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 my head, in your radar, my radar. By 2019, we had a total of eight trucks, we, and we had a 20,000 square foot warehouse right here in, in, uh, in Arizona. We have had over 25 employees working for us. Uh, business started cranking 1.2, 1.5 per year in revenue. Uh, we started being more, so it's funny because I say it's a moving company, but we do a lot more logistics and warehousing stuff yeah. than moving, like moving is just got like the cherry on top that yeah. we do once in a while. Our day-to-day operations is, is more deliveries uh, and white glove designer services. We have a team that installs nothing but high-end art. They do it at resorts, they do it at hospitals, they do it everywhere you see art. Professionally installed, our teams are typically the ones that are installed wow. as well. And uh, 2020 hits, pandemic hits, and I was like, you know what? Being a business owner, we're at a point where everything is working good. Automated. It's automated. Let's uh, put more people in place. Let's actually, I was like, with the pandemic and the economy going down, I was like, you know what? This looks like a lot like 2008, 2009. I think I think shit's about to hit the fan. I wanna make sure I am, I am knowledgeable in real estate. So I started looking into real estate. Uh, I got actually sick with COVID pretty badly and uh, when the first wave came around, so I spent like three months at home, quarantined, running the business, uh, virtually, studying about real estate. I got sick too in 2019, actually,
1: uh, December, when nobody knew about COVID. And I was wondering what the hell that was. Well, guess what COVID. it was COVID. <laughs> so uh, and yeah i got that first COVID too yeah. that was that was brutal it was bad so
2: uh, and my whole family got it too yeah. so we just didn't know it was COVID. Yeah. when i got it i was hospitalized for for three weeks i got pneumonia my yeah. lungs shrunk uh i i really thought that was not that gonna, you make gonna make it I, yeah. I wrote my goodbye letters to my kids and everything wow. it, was, it was bad um, but thankfully i came out of it that actually for, for me was like a turning point i would say um because it got me closer to god it really got started like opening my my spirit um, god started doing real estate and uh well i started starting real estate right this end this ends this is the end of 2020 going into 2021. And at the end of 2020, uh, 2021, I tell the family, hey, I'm seeing an opportunity in real estate. Do you guys want to do it? We have the business already going. We can hire more people. We can start, I kind of understood it. We can get some VAs, have some call calling, yeah. do all this stuff. And everybody was like, you know what? If this we already have a working business, why would you want to go do something else? I was like, well, the whole plan was to build businesses, not just one. Not just one. Um, let's build more. And they were like, you know what? I don't see the vision. We got way too much stuff on our plate for running this business. If that's something you want to do, you're welcome to do it. And this is where I personally started learning. This last year has been very transformational for me. I started learning about what it it's like to not have the right business partners. Um, my dad and my dad, my dad and my brother are great people. My brother has a good mindset. My dad, because he's so traditional, right? It was hard. In 2019, we actually, the business was busy enough where we told him, hey dad, the whole purpose we started the business was for you to retire, you can retire. And we don't know what I that said. That's like, you guys are trying to kick me out of the business. You guys are trying to, this oh, wow. not, I'm not trying to leave, all this and all that. You guys are just trying to get me out of the way so you guys can run it. And we're like, no, it's at a point where you can finally retire, go ahead and retire. And he was like, no. And from there, we actually started crashing heads where we made the business with three equal parts, my brother, my dad, and myself, so that when decisions needed to be made, if two of us made a decision, that's what went, right? Yeah. So it was three people. And a lot of things started being made where my brother and I had to make the decision, but what started happening is dad would pull the dad card. And he would say, no That's not how it's gonna go And like We already made a decision Like no no I'm dad Like hold up I'm right You guys are not Business is business Family is something else And what we started Telling him this Like he would Like no you guys Are trying to disrespect me I'm like no man it's, it's Outside of business It's family And we love you as a dad But inside of business We're just partners And we're equal It's like no you guys Will never be equal from me It's a whole like that culture thing, like you know, you're fighting and, and that, what right? I say and yeah, and um, so i In 2020, towards the end, uh, there was a couple like rough scuffs that we've had, like discussions that were like, man, we can't run a business with like, everybody always being negative, right? Um, so in 2020, I was, you know what? I'm gonna leave the business. I'm really leaving, uh, if you guys wanna pay me something, pay me something, if you guys wanna pay me nothing, don't worry about it, I don't wanna leave with any problems with nobody, I'm leaving. Uh, they didn't take me seriously. Two months later, I said, this is my last month, you guys got 30 days, where are we gonna train to take over my position, I'm leaving. Uh, they ended up bringing somebody over, my sister my mom came in, I showed them everything that I did, uh, and in May of last year, I, I leave the business I literally leave the business I was already doing Dragon for Dollars and all that stuff I go to the all-in event in May uh, and Freedom Freedom and that event changed it for me it changed it because I was questioning everything that I was doing I was like you know what uh, I don't know if I did the right move by leaving that family business I don't know if this is truly where I want to be right but that event for me everybody kept talking and, and thanking God and all that stuff yeah. um, and for me that was like Hey hey, you're looking for a sign? This is the sign. And I leave that event. I actually meet one of our other business partners named Taif at this event. And uh, I tell him, Hey man, start taking me to the events that, you know, I've been, I was driving for dollars every day from eight in the morning to eight o'clock at night, wow. knocking on doors, talking to people, everything that I saw on YouTube, I was implementing right away. Uh, through knocking through doors, I actually, uh, at one point stumbled upon Pays and Jamil doing their video, uh, their, their show. And I was like, I actually get down and talk to them and all that stuff. And, um, uh, I continue doing my thing in July of this last. Last year, um, I go to an event that he invites me to, uh, Taif. And at this event, I meet Ray. Ray was speaking at this event. I believe it was the first time speaking. And uh, I got a chance to talk to him after after he spoke. We started talking, like, hey, I'm driving for dollars. He's like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to put a, a, a team together. I was like, well, let's 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 do it, man. So on the weekend, he calls me over. I come out here. We go out. We do some door knocking. And when I came out here, I was like, hey, man, I think you guys need some uh, some help in your business. I kind of saw there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of disorder, not not fully organized. I was like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm looking to work for 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 you guys. He gives me an opportunity. Um, at the time, I personally did not care what they were going to pay me. I was just come, trying to come in and bring a bunch of value, as much value learn as I could. Learn
1: and get in Learn a, and learn, a, right?
2: I, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer of get in the bus and then find your seat at later, right? Um, so I made that opportunity happen. I started working for, for him started doing acquisitions. I sucked at acquisitions. <laughs> but when I was doing yeah, acquisitions, I was just started looking at the systems. And I was like, damn, the systems are not following these KPIs that I've heard of. And I started building the KPIs, I started tracking all this stuff. Uh, I'm like, you guys don't have any SOPs, all that stuff everybody talks about. You guys don't have a conveyor belt. You guys got this bottleneck effect right here and all this stuff. And they're like, bro, what the fuck you learned? this?" I was like, well, I did have another business before and I kind of understand how everything should be Yeah, bigger. business is business, right? Yeah. So,
1: so uh, I'm glad you're touching up on that point. When I train somebody on how to build a VTO, for instance, yeah, it's real estate related, Yes. but you
2: use that tool for everything. Yes. So, so this last year, this is what I learned. I'm a very observant person. One, I learned that I'm an integrator, but through a book that I kept everybody he- hearing, talking about, I started reading the books that everybody was talking about, The One Thing, Rocket Fuel. The One Thing is good. Yes, but I, hear, I read Rocket Fuel. And it talks about integrators and visionaries, right? And I started looking around, and I'm like, you know what? Everybody has one. Sal and Carlos Reyes, boom, right there. every investor he's got his visionary integrator Steve Train. he's got a visionary integrator and I'm like damn this is a crazy ass formula that everybody consciously or unconsciously has it every single one right and most businesses that are successful are doing that and then I actually get uh, about a month ago where the tenants uh, Grand Cardone comes comes in town I go to his grand opening and I get to witness like how systemized and how professional he, he has it but his whole tenants brand is about bringing integrators into businesses and helping them scale um, as I look at it I'm like damn this is, this is actually <laughs> it's a crazy formula um, and I'm like and I started reflecting back I'm like that's why when I was working with my father-in-law we got it cranking that's why when I was doing engineering I could look at the systems and systemize the stuff put into like conveyor belt in this case right that's why our business blew up with the family business become my dad and my brother or visionaries I was the integrator in that business mm. I was like oh it actually, is the perfect formula for any business in town. As long as you got good mindset, that's another thing that that sometimes people miss is the mindset part. And this year, that's what Ray really helped me out with is the mindset part, understanding mindset, understanding yourself, understanding who's in control, right? Is it, is it you or is it your subconscious? A lot of the times we let our egos grow way too much, and our egos turn us into people that 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 we're not that we're not supposed to be. Yeah, and something else is in control versus ourselves.
0: So here's the weird thing is. When he came in, yeah. right. the same day, we had two deals. We were so cranking, right? we are money generating activities. That's it. Right. Because right? when he came in, there's two deals that came in. One was a Lake Havasu deal, okay? We were having this a lot, but me and my business partner were both visionaries, right? So. It doesn't work. It didn't work, but right? it did work because we were making money, good money.
2: Yeah, but eventually it's not it's not sustainable. Well, and that's why they say most businesses last two to three years, right? Because typically two visionaries will get together, they'll run a business, they'll cranky, they'll run. And then two, three years into it, some legal stuff goes, oh, happens. Or they, go, or they go their separate they go, ways. They go, they go or some legal stuff happens. are like, hey, did you take another work? No, did you take another work? No. Oh, shit, we're in deep shit now. <laughs> and that's the way. Yeah,
1: visionaries like each other because we think alike.
2: Yes. Right? Okay.
1: But can we really work together, you know? So, unless we have an integrator, because guess what? You want to be a visionary all day long. Yes. You don't necessarily want to go be an integrator. Now, I've been an integrator before, by necessity. So, I don't mind switching up roles every now and then. But hold on a second, all my vision is there already. I don't need to go be a visionary every day. What I need to do right now is get in the trenches and go be either a Dispo guy or an Acquisitions guy or be the integrator, Um, and, and that's sustainable as long as everybody fits in a role and everybody knows what role they're fitting in. That's very important. So I'm glad you're bringing up that point. Yes. That you go back and you look in all the different jobs that you had and you were integrating, and then these businesses continue to run, yes. something I would have done if I were you, I would have negotiated royalties
2: out of it. Yep. True. Because <laughs> you, you, you. I was, I was focusing on learning businesses, you know, learning, I was thankful that my father gave me an opportunity to help him with this business. And I saw it as that, like, hey, just give me a chance to learn business. I'll learn what I can, right? And. But you have me. a great story, by the way. I love your story uh, because it is it is one that
1: um, you're not getting royalties. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> visionary but Now, now this time though, <laughs> at least we got that out of the way already. What about you, Ray? Tell me about you, man. Like, what, what? Um, let me. Let you me, didn't rich all your life, right? No. <laughs> let, me, let me throw this
0: in there. Is when he came in, right? Is we had two deals that came in. Okay, I had a speaking event that night. And so I made an offer on this Lake Havasu property, right on the fucking beach, right? It was like 1.2 million on the market. And I said, I'm just gonna make an offer. I made an offer of 400,000, okay? They called us the night that we had an event from the agent and said, hey, they wanna take your deal. They wanna take your offer. I said, cool, I'll sign it, send it over, put it in my email, okay? We went to the event, right? We all know about it, we all heard about it, right? Went to the event, forgot, came back, two days later, Somebody made him an offer of 1.5 cash. No one signed the contract. And we lost. We got two in the same, when he came in, he was like, who signed it? I was like, I don't know, bro. I like,
1: let's move on to the next deal. Move on to the next deal. Something like that happened to me last week. <laughs> it could have been a $175,000 assignment. And it's not that we forgot, we didn't forget. Uh, my acquisitions guy, uh, calls, uh, calls up my dispo guy. He said, hey man, I need help with this deal. Um, and he, they go through numbers, and Caesar right away comes to my office. Dude, you gotta look at this. And I've heard this before, I don't know how many times. What you got? <laughs> this looks very good. He gives me the address, I get on it. They're like, we really want to think what, what we really want to know what you think the ARV is on this thing. Give me the address, and it, bro, it takes me two seconds. Yeah. I go in there. I'm looking at it. I was like, okay, hey man, this thing is 550. five fifty, five to five fifty. This is in Oregon, in um, Albany, Oregon. So I go and I, I start working the reverse engineering formula, the 70% formula, right? 70% minus 100 grand on rehab because this is an older house, bam, bam, bam. Man, I can sell this thing for 320. How much do they want? And he's like, you're not gonna believe this. How much do they want? 150. What? Lock that shit up right <laughs> now. I so didn't even come to you without
2: would man. I was to like, what the
1: hell are you guys doing? Lock it up, man. What are you waiting on? Now, this, keep in mind, the, the acquisitions is a new guy. Right. So he doesn't even know what the hell he's dealing with, right? Okay. So I'm like, hey, man, get on a Zoom call right now. Help him prepare the contract. This is on a Saturday, by the way. I was in the office that Saturday by pure coincidence. I wasn't supposed to be there. Um... And we put the contract together. The lady agreed to do the 150. That's what she asked. It wasn't even, we didn't even make an offer. They said, we want 150. I'm like, send it, send the contract. Monday comes around. I say, hey, they haven't signed this contract. What's going on? Follow up. Let's get on this thing. If, If you need me to get on the phone, let me know. Why didn't, one, why didn't you? Was that why didn't you? Because I would have jumped on the fucking phone. Well, the reason why uh, is because the guy already had good rapport with her, okay. so I didn't want to break that. And and I could have made a may, may, maybe came across a different you know way, way or something. So Angel kind of like hits me back up. He said, uh, "No, Caesar hits me back up." It's like, dude, the lady blocked them on the phone. Mm. Got another offer. No. Okay. It wasn't even an offer. They went and called a realtor friend. Oh. And the realtor got on the way. Oh. And now they're listing the property on the MLS for $220. do not get me wrong. The $220 is still, oh, man. It's still a sweet deal, you know? Yeah. But I'm like, they're like, why don't we do it as a guy? I said, we're fucked. Because now that realtor got on the way, we offer offer. We told them, Hey, look, we'll pay you two two twenty. The two twenty you're gonna listed for, we'll pay it. And we'll even pay the agent. But they, they just they like I don't know what the agent said. The agent might have said, These guys are scammers, these yeah. guys are this, these guys are that. So and unfortunately there were three sisters. So I'm pretty sure one of the sisters it's in kahunas with the freaking agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The one that we were talking to, she blocked us now because who knows what the other, so it got all messy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what we go back to them with, mm-hmm. You're done. it's lost. Yeah. You're done. So, now my acquisitions guy was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. That's his first one, right? His first deal. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I have a conversation with us like, man, you know what, bro, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. We're gonna, let's go find the next one. After that one, He's locked up 10. Good leadership. Right? 10. Because he, I mean, he was, like, he was, he already thought about the money that he was going to make. <laughs> Who knows? And I was like, bro, don't worry about it. It happens all the time. It kind of sucks that it happened on this deal. That was your first one. And this is a great deal, by the way, that we were going to make some pretty damn good money. But it is what it is, man. And they got in between it. And you got to learn how to separate yourself from those situations because you, those that happen to you hold you back if you give it yeah. energy yes. and attention. To me, I cut it off and I said, by the way, this is not a loss deal. We need to follow up with them in three or four weeks. Yep. maybe next week yep. you know let's follow up let's see what's going on let's call, let's call them from a different number let's yep. call them with a different LLC the way we're, we look different which I got like 17 LLC so you know I can be today we buy same as cash tomorrow I am true home buyer solutions you know yes. and and I might just put a girl to call that way we we, we completely sound different but um, but yeah, it happens, you know, and and just like it happened to you guys on that big deal, that was that looked like that was gonna be a freaking slammed up. That was
0: bad. It was two in <laughs> one day.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: We were cranking. We were doing too much cranking, so there was too much stuff kind of slipping through the cracks. Slipping
1: through the cracks. Yeah,
0: because we were still high over six figures. So like to the, to us, that was like okay, we lost it. Keep going, because we didn't have time to. Now,
1: are you the, are you guys doing nationwide or or, or local? Local and not nationwide, but a couple different states. Okay. All right, but let's get into your story, darling. Where do you come from? <laughs> so
0: I was born in California, uh, Riverside. All right. I moved to the Bay Area.
1: You know, you know uh, how, long, how long were you in Riverside for? A baby uh, yeah yeah okay
0: three and then I moved to the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, Vallejo. Um, from there, I moved to Denver, Colorado, um,
1: Texas. How old were you? Houston. How old were you when you moved from from San Francisco to Denver? Seven. Seven. So okay. Which was a rough time. Yeah. Yeah. Why was it? Why was it a rough time?
0: We moved in a, a all white neighborhood.
1: Okay. And yeah, that can be a rough time for a black family. Oh yeah.
0: So everybody was—that was the first time I ever was introduced to racism. Okay. And everybody was kind of like nigger, spick or not, not right. spit, but uh, cotton swab. Like as a little kid, I'm learning this. Like wow, even my friends. In were, Denver. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, wow. Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So, I had, a, I, had a, I had a rough time from there. Didn't work out with our family, so we moved to Texas, Houston. Houston. Was there for one year. What
1: part of Houston? You know the remember. Too
0: young. Yeah. Uh, from Houston, we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico.
1: Why do you guys move so much?
0: Just the places we move are different. So, my dad's black, all right. My mom is Irish and Dominican, all right. So, we would move in like different areas, my mom was like on the Hispanic side. The rest of us were like black, so we would get beat up, bullied. Right. right for both sides. My dad was more my dad was an uh, ex NFL player. Okay. So he would move like predominantly like white neighborhoods. Right. So we would get the same treatment every we went. So we go from one state to the next state to the next state and we end up in Arizona.
1: Now did he have money from the NFL or okay, well, no. No, no. Dad
0: was a hustler. Dad was so my dad did a little bit of real estate. Um, he was actually an acquisition guy for a few people. Today, um, he's passed. But yes, there's oh, people he's here. Oh, Okay. People here in Arizona, he was acquisition right. Okay. Of, uh, also doing creative financing too. Right. So okay. For um, No, I didn't have money. He was a hustler, a street hustler. Also was a drug addict, hugely right. cocaine and, and crack.
1: Right. Yeah. The, he he got into the eighties. Epidemic. Oh, yeah. Pretty he's, much. He's a rock star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rolling star. 80s <laughs> epidemic. Yeah. That, that's what it was. It, um, the epidemic that we have today is different. Uh, the opioids. Honestly. Yeah. And, and it's also, you got all this meth and this fentanyls and all these fucking crazy things that are out there, um, which I think they're worse uh, than cocaine or, or yeah. crack is real bad. but. Cocaine. I mean, look at Corey. Like he did coke for I don't know how long, but uh, but he's still there. You know, he's still standing and he's in good shape actually. Uh, and he's very open about that stuff uh, now that he's clean. But think, uh, probably. probably too much. Was <laughs> that Corey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so that's how you ended up in Phoenix. And how old were you when you came here?
0: Eleven or twelve. Okay. Got here 11 to 12. Uh, we lived South Side. Uh, then we moved from South Side to the West Side. Right. Uh, lower Buckeye area. And huge gang area. Right. So from there, dad was in and out of prison, back and forth, running scams, feds, doing bank robberies, doing a lot of stuff. Uh, I didn't really have a role model. So my role model was streets. Mom was pretty much working. All my brothers were older, they're living their lives as adults. Right. Um, I ended up getting into gangs. Started gang banging heavily at 12. Um, and from there, my life kind of went downhill. I got super heavy into gangs, um, Build rivalries and fighting with this neighborhood, that neighborhood, and I get more frustrated because I'm looking for a father figure and I'm building up this hate for everybody who doesn't like me for whatever reason, for me being bullied, right. for me being judge, you know? So now I got like a gang, I got like a family, right? We're the toughest on the block and that was my motto for a long time. So I get into a lot of fights um, every day. I didn't make it past eighth grade. I'm
1: right.
0: Straight expelled out of every school, never went to high school. Um, yeah, they
1: didn't want you around. Oh,
0: nobody wanted me around. No, I was yeah. <laughs> trouble. Nah, I was trouble.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I got, got expelled. Uh, Homeschooled. That didn't really work. So, I was just on the streets, you know, selling drugs. Uh, gang banging, fighting. You name it. That's what I was pretty much doing.
1: Uh, Fourteen. Was it one of the biggest gangs? Like, the bigger gangs? like, oh, yeah. Like, the Bloods, the Crips, whatever. Crips. You were Crips? Hell yeah. Crips are... Are blue, right? Yeah, yeah. Bloods is red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got Latin kings, they and you got, and then you got Black the other guys, the the, the, the Mara, and all this culture. and the ones from from the West Coast, like they have like a bulldog. Uh, I forgot their name, but I used to watch all that shit on TV, you know? and, and 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 learn. You know, I learned a lot about. Um, uh, and I'll tell you a story later, because this is about you guys, not about me. Um, but I've learned a lot about gang, bang, gang bangings, like the organizations, how they yeah. run. But I've also learned a lot of, uh, from narco traffickers. Yeah. Like, and they're different level. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. And, and, and they're organizations. <laughs> they're organizations, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, I was watching Netflix one day, and I was frustrated. Like, I was in a point in my life where I had an acquisitions guy that was good. I had a, a TC that was okay. Uh, she was good. Uh, I loved her. Like, like like. I, I loved all my team members, you know, at that point. I, there, I only had like four or five, but I was like, I had this revolving door of people coming in and out, coming in and out. And I was just tired of it. And I was like, man, I gotta train another guy and I gotta train another guy. How? Wow. You know, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I went and and this is in 2020 during the pandemic, and then we're going through the pandemic, right? Now you're questioning all kinds of stuff, yeah. and I had a bunch of deals on the board, but I was just tired of the the rat race, the the spinning spinning the wheels, right? I had just sold my house, and. And I sold my house and I didn't have a place to live for me and my family. I just told them, let's put everything on the storage. Let's pack up, let's go to Florida. We're we'll going on vacations. And we took off for like a month. So while I'm in Florida, I turned, up, I turned off my phone. Like I didn't. Like they could have called me about twenty deals one day. I did not give a shit. Literally, none whatsoever. They managed to do whatever they were doing on their own. My team and we were working virtual, right? And here comes the new season of Narcos. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to watch this, man. I never watch Netflix because yeah. I'm a hustler, right? I'm always fucking working on the business and this and that. You watch Narcos, man. And I'm watching this thing, right? I, episode after episode after episode. Now <laughs> <Are> you're binging. <laughs> and I'm binging on it, you know. I actually binged on Neymar's uh, The Soccer Player uh, uh, two good. or three nights ago here in Phoenix. I was at the hotel just watching that. And um, so I'm going, bam, bam. bam, bam, bam. But right in the middle of it, and this is Narcos Mexico, right? This is past the Escobar's and those guys. I'm like, man, how did all these thugs manage to work with each other and be part of an organization? How come we don't do that in our space? And that idea was just running around my head, you know? And I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and I was like, how can I implement that? How can I have my own cartel in the, in the real estate business? So as I'm coming back, now I'm coming back to Houston again, I'm thinking, okay, I gotta get me an apartment now, or a house, whatever, you know. I got an apartment. Um, I gotta talk to my team and figure out how I'm gonna move forward from that. Are we gonna be narco's? <laughs> well, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so I get back and got the apartment, got situated in Katy, which is on the west side of, of, of Houston. And I call my team, my three three or four people that I had at the time. And we met for coffee or something like that, you know? Uh, I own a skip tracing company and a texting platform. So we have an office in, 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 in like a co-working area, uh, center. So I use that, I say, hey, let's go meet over, have coffee, drinks, let's, let's think about how we want to move forward. So as soon as they sit down, I still don't know, I still don't have a plan. I had this, but I didn't have a plan. I was like, guys, how would you guys like to make more money? And they're looking at me like, the fuck is Ricardo talking about? So yeah, man, like, how would you like this guy to make to make what I make? And Juan goes, fuck up. Uh, what do I need to do? <laughs> all right, just save that for now. Lauren, that's that's cartel shit. <laughs> Lauren, why, uh, and she's like, I'm all ears. Yeah. And I can't remember who the other guy was. I think it was Alex. Alex, and he said, well, you know, I'm here for whatever, right? i said, okay, you motherfuckers are fired now. And they're like, what? Yeah, you're all fired. I don't need you guys. Now, this is how we're going to work together now. You're going to fill in a seat on my team, on the cartel. But now you're going to do your marketing. You're going to buy your systems. You're going to buy your lists. And you're going to get your own VAs. And you're going to get all of these things. And I will help you do all of that but we're gonna go triple, quadruple our leads and our contracts. And that's how I started the wholesaling cartel, literally. Bro, we went from me having, I don't know, I like that. 15 deals on the board yeah. to 60. 60. I mean, he got so good that some of these guys ain't complacent. They started showing up at 10 a.m. <laughs> right. If they showed up, and because now they're bosses. They're like, oh, i own my own time. Yeah. That created a whole new set of problems for me. In addition to my <laughs> the grind. Yeah, but they were That's now. In Spanish, you say that. You don't you know, know. Oh, and I charged yeah. them rent. I uh, said, so now the rent that we're gonna get an office, you're gonna pay rent in the office. Just like I pay rent, you pay rent too. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. So, but they started like, they, I empowered, now they're all on their own now. They don't work with me anymore. They're all doing their own thing. Uh locked in the royalties. Uh, <laughs> not really because I did benefit from their yeah. work. Like I did make money off of it. Yeah. Um, but now what's happened is whoever's on my team I, that opportunity is still open. So they know that they don't have a cap with me. They don't need to go open their own operation. Why, you are well, you gonna go up in your own operation when you're here with me and yeah. we're all helping each other out? I'm gonna help, there's gonna be some value I bring to them so that work is a win-win, right? And they understand. And I got I got my dispositions guy right now, Caesar. He started working with me in May as a as a trainee, basically. Like he was a student. Like he came to learn and he's got right now locked up over two hundred thousand dollars worth of assignments. Because of that opportunity. And guess who gets to eat from that as well? I do. Now he eats from my deals, I eat from his deals as well and everyone in our team it just becomes a, a centrifuge it's like now whoever's coming in i just don't want employees i was like hey man you're going to come work with us all right i understand you don't have money today but when you do i want you to do marketing are you going to do it yes okay sign here sign here sign here. because i want to make sure that you create deals for the rest of the team as well so now it's just not me or you or you now, if you guys got four, five, six people around here, if each one of you can create 10 to 15 deals, what does that look like? Oh, it's a big operation. Yep. It's a huge operation, okay. right? 80, deals. You can't have them. I've had 60 to 70 on the, on, I got a hundred right now. So, but it's because of that mentality. And now it's only me and Cesar in the office. We have a 3,000 square foot office. I went back to the land and said, dude, I got a downgrade. Like, I don't need that big space anymore. But anyhow, I just figured, you know, we talked a little bit about narcos and the wholesaling cartel because <laughs> we, we kind of like fell in that route. So, so your dad. Was here. He he was in and out of real estate, and and he was on the streets as a a hustler, right? Which I'm pretty sure you picked up a lot of that uh, from uh, work ethics, because that being on the streets doesn't mean you are. uh, Yeah, you can be a criminal. You can be whatever. But guess. Criminals also have work ethics. Oh, huge, huge work ethics, right? Uh-huh. If not, go ask Pablo Escobar. Yeah. And then us, if if you see him, let me know because he's dead. But you know, but work ethics... And the good ones are disciplined. The good <laughs> ones are disciplined, <laughs> and they don't they don't consume their own drugs. Yep. Right. So. Um, I'm from Venezuela so I'm, you know I'm, I'm aware of the whole thing but yeah. um, and I had a lot of friends in that business yeah. um, unfortunately some of them are dead some of them are doing other things today thanks God they didn't die but that's just the life you know that that, that provides so you were here gang-banging until when 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 did you stop gang-banging how old were you
0: um, I'm just back until I was probably 18, but in that phase, I developed an enemy. So I had this guy that we were gunning for each other Right. Like, every day. So if I seen him at a park. was he a, was he a blood? Blood. Okay. So we were kind of we were, we're kind of gunning for each other, we're looking for each other. We had a little fight in the, on the bus, and it just kind of escalated from there. So I'm gunning for this guy, and I catch him one day coming from uh, Circle K, And we track him down, me and, the, me and the other buddy, and we just run up on him. Me and him run up on him, we, we hit pockets, we check him down, nobody has anything. I check the other guy, my homie checks the guy that I have issues with. So we tell him, what are you guys doing over here? What are you doing on the block? All right, and they're nervous. So we will be like, yeah, we got him. So, as I'm reaching for this guy, I went to grab him. The guy that I've been beefing with for a while pulls a gun out, and he puts it to my head. And then my whole life just kind of, like, flashed. Right before it flashed, I seen like a hand kind of come down in my face. I don't know where the hand was, but my hand, I seen like a hand do this. And he shot, I just, he shot, two shots, just flashes in my face, and at that point I thought I Done. Dead, yeah. Done. Um, but something weird happened is I opened my eyes back up. I'm still there, right? These guys are running, right? I'm with my partner. He's like, let's go. So we start running down the street. As I'm running down the street...
1: But he pulled up a gun in your head and he shot, but he didn't hit you. Oh, he hit me. He hit you. Where did he hit you at? Leg. In your leg? It's like got two shots in my leg. So he shot you in the legs? Yes. That's weird. So that was a whole... The
0: the whole thing is like when my eyes closed, I, I seen the hand go like this. Right, so the hand pushed the, the guns the gun yeah. down. Yes. So he shot me in my legs. Right. I ran about a block, uh, full block, and I'm with my i with my homeboy, I'm like, bro, I can't walk. Yeah. Right? Something's going on. So he's like, what's up? I run to this lady's house, I fall in the in the, in the driveway, and I'm just like, I can't move. And he's freaking out, because it's like a pool of blood. Right. I don't even know I'm hit yet. Right. All right. So he freaks out, he knocks on the lady's door, she spoke no English. Right. She comes out. She's freaking out. Right. She didn't really want to call the cops. So I'm sitting here like oh, I'm gonna die. Like I'm just gonna bleed out. So he ends up finding somebody, get some help, comes in an ambulance, I was just hitting the legs. So at this point I'm furious. Get out the hospital,
1: I'm running around. I'm gonna find that right? guy every talk He's there's not going like he won't be able to hide from me ever again. That was my energy. Right. So
0: there's some talk around that they got rid of me. Right? That's the, kind of the words going around. It's like he handled business with his people. Right? Right. So I'm just mad. I'm furious. So I I, I keep going. I keep looking for this guy, hunting him down. I can't find him. Um, I end up getting desperate, robbed. Uh, a jack-in-the-box for some money because i needed some guns for some bullets right uh rob
1: the jack-in-the-box yeah you were working on your on your redemption plan on your on your uh, on your vengeance that was yeah yeah Yeah, i was was 14. so rob the jack-in-the-box
0: um end up end up having a a fight with the with the people in the -the jack-in-the-box end up shooting a couple people in the -the jack-in-the-box Wow. Uh, that led me to prison. So prison came, they wanted to give me 30 years. The judge felt bad for me, ended up giving me 15. So I served 12 years of 15. I went to
1: prison at 14. So you got out, um, you got out 10 years Is 24, 29, when you were 29. So from, 14 years now when when you were in prison from 14 to 18 were you in the adult prison or no they don't do that no more okay they don't do that no more so they put you with juvenile which is here in tucson
0: okay Uh, i was there for till turn 18. once you turn 18 then they put you in they transferred they put you in in with adults yeah right they stopped that years ago because too many adults
1: are taking advantage of yeah raping kids and stuff like that so so you get in there and w- what is life like?
0: For me, different, because I, I still had the same energy when I went
1: in. Yeah, you you didn't change. Oh, no, no, I didn't no. You didn't change. You were just madder now. Like, if anything, now you're a monster. Like, you're like, oh my God. Now you're, it's like a, like a, like a plague. It's like a pit bull that hasn't been trained, that now gets locked up. Yes. They're, man, they're, if they get out of that thing, they'll, they'll, they'll eat up anything, right? So now you're in there, and I know you have the gangs inside too. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's all the same people. You just went right, right back to your friends that we're gone now. Yeah. But then there's different,
0: here in Arizona, it's a little bit different because it's it's, the people you were beefing with are now your homies. And it's not a racial thing. Now it's whites, it's blacks. It changes.
1: Mexicans, right, and then, the, and then the whites, right, or the Indians. Yeah, because it changes into a racial thing, not a gang thing.
0: So in there everybody becomes, now you're kind of like, the, the, the things that you had before, it becomes now it's racial. So it's like now my cellmate is a dude that I was literally trying to... Kill. kill. Few months ago, now we're like we squash that. We're best buds. We need to link up, squash up, just in case. Any yeah, now we gotta look after our backs. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's pretty much how prison is uh, here in Arizona, and
1: it's it's terrible. I think it's everywhere. Everywhere is probably the same way. Um, now here in Arizona, because you're so close to Mexico, the proximity to having a heavily Mexican, you know, population that we're a bunch of criminals. It's it's pretty high, and then and then everything else that comes with it, right? Um, but man, twelve years is a long time, brother. And did you uh, while you were in prison? Did you go back to school? Did you go back to learning? Like you have to start doing something for yourself to to. You know, or did you just stay as a banger for as long as you could? It took me eight years. Eight years. Eight years of, I st- I was fighting
0: everybody. Right. Everybody, everybody. I,
1: I, well, it, it, prison is different because in prison, you can't show any weakness. 100%. If you show weakness, You're done. You're done, man. Yeah, you're done. And 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 I could understand why you will go in there and be the same people or worse for a longer time now. So in eight years, what happened? Eight years, I had
0: a, I had a, well, before I got to the eight years, four years in, um, I got into it with two officers, and we had a good little fight. Me and two officers talking crap. We fought, we went right. in there. Uh, I was causing so much ruckus on everywhere I was going that the warden the warden came down, she was a lady, she came down, she came to see me, and was like, Mr. Spencer, right? the hell are you doing like why do you keep causing shit on my damn this is like I run the show and I told her no <laughs> I run the show fuck you and she was like you want to play that game I was like yeah let's play the fucking game Lock the door right now what's up so she opens the door I didn't think she would right a little short Hispanic lady she opens the door and as soon as she opens the door I spit a newbie in her face and she just like that's the worst thing you ever ever just did shuts the door I figured they got gonna come and, like, we gonna, we, gonna, we gonna rally. I felt like, let's go. We're gonna have a little fight. She took me to the hole for four years. Naked.
1: No lights, no blankets. In the hole. In the hole. In the hole. Four years. Four years. Bro, you must have gone fucking crazy in I there. I did. I lost my mind. What a way to humble you. Wow.
0: So in there, I lost, I lost my mind. I, don't, I can't even tell you what happened in that span. The only thing I was remember, I was dreaming, and in my dream, I was fighting demons and different stuff, and I woke up and one of the demons was choking me.
1: Well, you were. You were fighting demons and, and, and things like that. Um, because what happens is, now, do you believe in energy? Oh, yeah, now, 100%. 100%, right. Oh, yeah. 100%, right? So, so, so what happens is, unfortunately, you you were, in, in all the places that you were before, like the the neighborhoods, the gangs, the the streets, uh, the gang-banging, drug-dealing, all that stuff, that's all low energy, right? And, and as you're feeding that, that's really what you're... Attracting and, and, and you're attaching it to yourself, but a prison is Full filled, filled, it, filled <laughs> with it, right? Yes, so so, but now you bring this, you're coming from the now you're mad, you're mad as hell because you're going here and and you're attracting more of that, and then you go into isolation and you got that energy with you. So, all those demons they were all real, I, you know. I don't think there's another way to put it. And to be four years in isolation, yeah, that's fucking... That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> um, now, did you see anybody in those four years? So,
0: two years of it, yes. Two years of my life, I have no idea. Like, two years... Yeah, because you blacked out.
1: I was... I was done. Groundhog Day, you blacked out. It's like, you wake up and there's four... That's it, like, there's no... Wow, dude.
0: The only thing I seen was officer and psych. That was it. The rest is is in there is like, anybody in there is is crazy. Super crazy. Eating their own feces, peeing everywhere like yelling, screaming every day, banging, hitting their heads, cutting themselves. Like that was the environment in the whole. Because you, it, it, it messes with you psychologically. They're trying
1: to kill themselves, they're trying to end their lives. Because it's, you you
0: lost it, you yeah. count every crack, you count every, right. it's just the same thing every day, and it's just, it makes you nuts,
1: super nuts. Wow, and you didn't have any family to go and... I did. And, and try to pull you out or... or I did.
0: You I, did I did, they just couldn't get a hold. They told him like, you know, he's in the hole, he can't get old. Oh, well, my mother was trying to get old me. Four
1: years. And that's in between you being, what, uh, 18 and 24 or? Probably a little older, uh, 22, 24, somewhere in there. Wow, that's, that's crazy, dude. I never heard anything like that. Um, and, and finally they said, all right, man, you're out of the hole. No. Um, so I was not here, right?
0: I was in my little fight, and I woke up one day. I was not. I was in a dream world, right? So I can't understand what it's like to lose your mind. But I was in a dream world, and I was fighting like demons. And one demon got a hold of me. And he was choking the shit out of me, mm-hmm. right? So I woke up to fight back. When I woke up, fought back. I came back to this world, and it was a doctor, right? Who was pulling the tube out of my throat? I was in the hospital. So he pulling a tube out of my throat and I went to grab him, and i was trying to choke him. Right. And I finally came to, and I was back here. I was in the hospital. So they brought me back. I had a moment where I was freaking out, like, what the fuck just happened? All right? threw me in a hole, threw me in a cell. They sent me right back to prison, right back in the same place. But
1: why were you in the hospital? I don't know. You don't know? No. And he's not on your records anywhere that you can say why you went into the hospital? Wow. Not, in pr- not in prison. Wow. So you, because you were choking the doctor now you're going back in. So send sent me right back where I was at. He's good,
0: right back where he goes. So he sent me right back and now I'm, I'm conscious, I'm sane and I'm listening to all this stuff and it's like, it's crazy, I'm like, I, I can't do this again. I can't do this again. So I'm begging the psych, she comes by, with her little pills, and she's like, here, take your pills. And I'm like, look, like, give me a book. Like, give me something I can read or something. Like, I'm literally going crazy, I need, like, something. And she's like, nope, she stands a trap. She goes, she does it every day. I beg her for a week, like, give me something, like, something I can kind of do or entertain my mind. She's like, nope, she's standing in trap. So after a week of this, I said, all right, I'm, I'm going all in. Like, she comes back, I'm grabbing her ass. So she comes back, and I'm playing this smooth, and she's like, you wanna take your pills today? I was like, sure, I'll take my pills. So she comes, I grab her, I snatch her up, and I tell her, like, you're gonna give me something. She was like, let me go. I was like, look, you're gonna give me something. And she pulls away, she slammed the trap, she's like, yeah, I gotta get shit, fuck you, it's okay. She walks away. Two days later, the officer who was with her threw a book in my cell. Which was Cypress Evidentics, the seventh book to the day. Um, And that was the thing that kept me sane. I learned how to read through that book. It was tough because I had eighth grade literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, It taught me how to control my mind, it taught me how to set goals, it taught me how to plan, how to dream, um, all from that one little book. So from there, I used that to kind of cope. I was a different person after I read that book. And it was my Bible that kept me alive. Like that was where I kept sinking to. What's the name of that book again? Cyber Cybernetics.
1: Cyber Cybernetics, okay.
0: So that was my manual. That was my Bible that I kept going to. And after about six mo- after about six months of being there, they started to notice that I was different from everybody else. I didn't take the pills, I didn't need the pills, right? And I was just cool, copacetic, working out. That was it, did my routine. Uh, after six months, it came and evaluated me and it was like, you're good, we're gonna bring you back. So from there, I get back to the yard and I'm a totally different person. I started getting into religion. I started to get into uh, spirituality. I started to read more books. And at that point, I started to get my GED. Uh, I actually went to college uh, in there. I got my paralegal degree while I was in prison. Uh, went to ASU on, on, online uh, in prison as well for computer engineering. Um, Also construction engineering as well
1: while I was in prison. Got out like ready to go, ready to go. So you got degrees? Oh yeah. What kind of degrees you got? So you got your paralegal, you talked about that. Yes. And do you have a bachelor's also? Bachelor's. In what? Computer science. Wow dude, you should have been dead dude. Not getting out with degrees and stuff. Which makes you question why they don't why don't they treat inmates with books like that earlier on? They it don't. It's actually regulated. So books in there are
0: like highly regulated. You got to sneak books in. I remember we were getting books of. I was talking to the guys about it. Is when I first realized I was a good closer is when we somebody snuck in the artist seduction and they were reading it on paper. And it was being passed around everywhere. And we're like like junkies. Um, and we were doing so much stuff with the women guards in there, right? Because we were u- reading this stuff, and we were doing it against them. Now, some of the guys, like, the first time I noticed I was good at speaking, right, and I was good at actually closing people, is there was an actual uh, female officer uh, who was white. If you're white in there, you hang with the whites. If you're Mexican in there, you hang with the Mexicans, even if you're a guard. okay? Uh, she would just let all the other inmates out. Uh, that were white, so all the ABs, the skinheads, she would let them out. And one day I came out and she was crying. And I was like, what's up? What's going on? Why are you crying? And she was like, they just won't lock down. I'm gonna get fired. And I'm like, okay. I was like, well, look, I'll do this. Why not you let me out, right? Just so I can kind of get in and go to the showers, said, okay? And she was like, yes. So we had that relationship where she would let me out, I would get in, I would do what I need to do and go lock down, all right? I reached out to her another time and I was like, hey look, like, I'm very respectful. I I haven't disrespect you, I haven't done anything to you. All right, I kinda lock, I go down when you want me to come out, I come out when you want me to come out. Won't you let me let a few other people out as well and I'll make sure when they come out, they lock down. And she was like, okay. So we would go out. I had a few few guys like, what's up? You want to come out? Yes. What you need to do? Okay. Make it happen. You got about an hour. After that, let's duck down so we can keep this thing going. And I had this thing where, like, if you wanted out, I was the guy. When she was there, and then she told other officers as well, which now was the guy. Like, you want to get out and make your deals and do what you need to do, like. So at that point, I noticed that this book was the shit.
1: Yeah, because you started <laughs> you, you started learning how to persuade people and and persuade them in a way to where uh, you communicated more effectively with them. They felt empathy for you, and and then you were you started to accomplish things. Well, but that's also survival mode, right? You're, you're in survival mode in jail and. Yeah. And, and and you're very you're getting very creative on on how to do things and man I need to go get a shower or I want to go use the restroom or or I want to go meet with whoever you're gonna go meet to do whatever it is that you know you guys did back then so so tell me about uh tell me more about when you started getting closer to get out like like how how is that sensation like. You're in it for I don't know 10, 11 years. Now you read books, right? Oh yeah. You started. You were working on yourself. Yes. Um. You're getting degrees. You're being a good inmate, basically. You know. But now you know I got a year left, or I got a few months left. How How does that feel like? How,
0: For me it was different because the stuff that I was reading made me excited to get out. Like everybody else is kind of like, I'm probably coming back. Yeah. Like when we see people leave, we know like, he'll be back in six months. Yeah. We kind of have that feeling like, he'll be back. Right. Uh, I think it's it's recidivism where it's a high rate for you to come back. It's like 80% people leave, definitely coming back. So I geared up for a game plan on not happening. For me, this is it, I'm done. So I read books, uh, I ordered some books, I got some books, I had my family send me some copies of some some stuff on how to get out of prison and be successful, uh, how to write a resume, how to do different things. I started to read all these things, so I learned how to do a resume. I was working on my communication skills, how to find a job, who hires ex-cons in the areas, which that's how I got into construction. because they hire ex-cons, so that was my game plan. And the feeling for me was excitement. I was ready. I, I, I was I was geared up. I knew that my plans were going to happen. I also got a book that my dad sent me, which is Dean Gracioso. It was the first real estate book I read in there, which opened my eyes up to. Well, I gotta leave here in Phoenix. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm looking forward to meeting him one day. Yeah. <laughs> So that's actually, that, that opened my eyes up. I wanted to get into real estate. So when I got out of prison, um, the first thing I did was look for real estate or uh, look for uh, construction jobs. What, what year is this? Uh, 2013.
1: This is when you got out? Mm-hmm. And this is eight years ago now. So let's Yeah. 12. Yeah, I mean, 2013, oh, yeah, yeah, so, so when, 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 when did you finally start getting into real estate? Seven years.
0: Seven, I got, seven years ago. I got, in, I, I got into construction. And so that, I got into construction to learn real estate. Right. Because I feel like I want to build. You got you to learn how to so put the bricks together. I yeah. want to put everything together. So I got into framing. Um, I work with, start off all Mexicans, the one ones who the only ones who hire Right, Right. Um, that's why I did relationships with people who are Hispanic. So I got into it, framing, drywall, roofing, toweling. From there, I went into commercial construction and started to get safety degrees. And now I'm kind of like high salary, six figure a year guy. And I kind of forgot about my dream, which is real estate, because I'm making too much money. Right. So it took me about 78 years before I, I, I kind of just hit a peak. I hit a, I hit a racial peak in construction because there's a there's a political And bubble. Every company's the same way. There's a political bubble that I didn't know about until I hit it and I'm trying to figure out like why can't I go? Like I got everything this guy has and more, right? He works eight hours, he's out, right? I'm here 12, 12 yeah. 13 hours, right? What? So I had that little bubble and it frustrated me and I started to realize that I need to go back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is real estate. So I quit, no plan, no game plans, no money, no anything to say. Got a wife, she's freaked out, right? She's like, don't do it, you're making six figures a year, like you're tripping. I quit, I go into it, hardcore hardcore, uh, door knocking, right? That's my specialty. Uh, Door knocking, my first deal came in real estate in three months, it took me three months of door knocking, making phone calls. Um, the way I actually got my first deal was Facebook Marketplace. So I guess Facebook has an algorithm where if you're interacting with Facebook, like you're like number one when it comes to notifications. So in the mornings, I would reach out to all the yard sales, all the, all the local marketplace groups and I'm in it talking to people, communicating to people. If you put up a yard sale, I'd reach out to you, like is the house for sale too? So Facebook put me at the top of the notifications. I got a little ding from Facebook that somebody was selling a house um, from an agent. It was an agent that had it. Uh, And I reached out to him, like, hey, I'll buy it. And we jumped on the phone, two o'clock in the morning, I'm talking to the agent. And he was like, hey, you can't wholesale it. Are you a wholesaler? And I was like, no, I'm not a wholesaler. I'm a cash buyer. That's what I do. He's like, cool, he's like, you gotta put in a contract. You can't wholesale it. It comes with a tenant, six months on a lease. She's way underneath uh, market rents, right? I'm just like, cool, sounds good to me, it's not enough. So I work it out with him, I got this deal. Uh, I sent it to a guy, and lo and behold, this guy's name is Jesse Burrell. Right. So I sent him a deal. He's like, Bro, I had it I had it so low. Right. I didn't know my numbers. I had it at fifty percent at ARB. I did not know that. Right. I didn't know nothing about real estate, but I sent it to Jesse and I was like, Hey bro, I got this thing at like one twenty. And he was like, Fucking send it to me. Right? I was like, Cool, let me get the contracts. So I work it in, I get the deal, I send it over to the guy, I didn't have a contract. Jesse sends me his contract. Right, he's like, rego right? I get another on the contract and he gives me the wrong fucking company. To put it under? To put it under, right. First, okay, first I put it under mine, right? And I put it in there as some, some LLC that I didn't even have yet. So Jesse's like, Ray, do you have this LLC? I said, no. He said, are you gonna make this LLC? I said, Yes, yeah, as soon as I get paid. He said, well, how are you gonna close? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You, you, <laughs> right? you were just fucking, you were just gone. I was
0: like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, right? I was like, <laughs> he was like, you can't close under the LLC. I was like, cool, I'll, I'll change that, right? So I put it underneath my name the agent and I sent it to him and he's like Ray, can't, you, you can't wholesale this thing right I was like no well how am I gonna buy it I was like ah, well, I don't know can't you figure that out he was like he's like no bro you gotta put it on the my and see. right I was like I gotta go back to the agent bro and talk to him like he was like good luck <laughs> good luck right so I go back to the agent I'm talking to the agent and I'm like then I made a mistake. I put it on mine. I was, I was, it, was, it was a long night. I actually got to put it under my other company. Jesse sends it to me. I was just on the company. All right. I get it under this company, and the agent's like, okay, cool. He's like, that's weird, but you did it twice. Let's not do it again. I was like, all right, cool. Jesse calls me and is like, bro, I fucked up. I was like, what's up? He was like, I gave you the wrong LLC. You're going to have to change it to another LLC. He was like, you're probably not going to get this deal, bro. You just started. You're not going to get this deal. And I'm just like, ah. He's like, but if you get it, I'll give you 10 grand. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, I got to get this fucking deal. I got to figure this shit out. I'm going to get this deal. So I talked to the agent. I said, you know what? Um, man, I made a mistake. Huge, huge mistake. I was like, you're human, right? He was like, yeah. I was like, you make mistakes, right? Like, you're yeah. human, right? <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I, okay, this thing has happened like three times. And I know you're probably, you're probably freaking out. Like you're, you're, you're being at work. But I put it underneath my flipping company because I was planning on flipping this property you have the tenant in it I kind of forgot that we're locked in with the tenant at six months I need to put this LLC underneath my rental company then I can exchange it like you understand taxes and stuff he was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I get it I said okay okay is that cool can we switch it one more time I was like I know we've done this four times already can we switch it one more time he was like he was like like, look he's like I need you guys to have EMD by tomorrow he's like you guys are fucking around too much Right? Yeah. I said, I'm, um, I apologize. I was like, just being human, I made some mistakes. We'll have humidity tomorrow. Let's switch it over to the other company, right? He said, all right, this is the last time. I was like, cool. Get it in, the, get it in, push it in. I get it to Jesse, I'm like, bro, you gotta wire fucking funds, right? Tomorrow, he's like, I can't, bro, I need pictures. What does it look like? I'm like, oh, this dude's fucking killing me. I was like, all right, I'll get you pictures. So I go by the house, talk to the tenant, the agent told me don't talk to tenant. I was to talk to tenant anyway. He was like, "Hey, I'm the person coming out to buy. You. I'm not, I don't mean to disturb you, right? I don't want you to disturb the buyers either. But I kind of need pictures, and they want to give me the pictures of what the property looks like. And I want to make sure you're okay because we're going to be having a relationship after this." She's like, "Oh, okay, okay." I was like, "But you can't. You can't tell the seller they're going to they're going to stop the deal." She was like, "Okay." Went in, got pictures, sent them to Jesse. I was like, "All right, bro, let's go. Ready? Close 10k.
1: There I go. First deal." No. How much would it would it you? How much money <laughs> do you leave on the table on that deal? Eighty grand. Eighty grand. Eighty
0: grand. Well. And I, I didn't know nothing about it. But Jesse was gonna do the, the the thing with Jesse is that this is the point where Jesse was not that big yet. Right. Um. And Jesse offered me a job. At that point, he liked my hustle. He was like, bro, what do you do? Like, what do you I was like, I'm knocking, I'm calling, him. you know, he's like, You're yeah, a good person They're on the phone. He's like, Would you like a job? And I'm looking at all his employees and I'm just like, I just quit my job. I'm making ten grand. He's like, here's the thing, I was, he, he's like, You gotta lock in with me for six months. He's like, Can you do that? And I'm like, How much am I making? That was commissions. You know? I was like, Well, can I do any other states? He's like, No. Nah. I was like, well, What states are you in? Right? He's like, I'm in Arizona and I'm in Vegas. What well, can I do? Florida? He's like, if you do, you got to bring the deal to me. I was like, man, I don't like this. Nah, man. I was like, nah, I'm good. He's like, look, bro, don't mess up this opportunity. He's like, he's like, being around me. He's like, I'm, I'm in this. I'm in this business. He's like, being around me, you learn. What year is this?
1: 2018. Okay. Yeah, they're already up and coming. Mm-hmm.
0: 2018. And. I was like, nah, I'm right, bro. I'll take my 10K, I'll, I'll, I'll count my losses. And he showed me the business. He, he literally showed me like what the business was. He was like, you guys start here, right? Anybody who's a wholesaler just starting, us who are intermediate or higher wholesalers or agents, we built this bubble around you guys Then when you get deals, you gotta go through us. You don't even really get to the actual buyers. You gotta get through us, right? I thought about it and I said, well, why would I bring you deals after that? I never bought him a deal ever since from there. I was always trying to find the
1: in-buyer. Which Which they're everywhere now. They're everywhere now. Now, all right, so let's fast forward. That's a very interesting first deal. Um, (laughs) Because you left, because of lack of education, you left 80K on the table. Yes. Right? But you still made money on the deal. Uh, And for you, those 10 grand were probably the oxygen you needed at that time to oh, I was ready. I was fucking ready. suck up the oxygen, <laughs> hold off your breath for a little bit, yes. and then move on. Right? This is 2018. We're in 2022. This is only four years ago. Mm-hmm. You just told me that you stopped, and this is before the podcast. That you stopped everything in December, and it was a seven-figure operation, right? Why you do that?
0: My whole purpose now is i made it. Right. And I got my car, I got my house, my car vet, I'm living good, I, I can spend here all day long for the next month. Right? right. But it doesn't benefit him. Correct. Right. It doesn't benefit anybody. Everybody right? else. Right. So I decided that, yes, I'm living high and mighty, and I'm so locked into the business I, I can't really get out of it. Right. So I decided like, I need to shut it down. And redesign it. Redesign it, that's how we met for the automation, and bring other
1: people up with me. Yeah, so in a way, what you're really telling me is that, yeah, you made some money, You you have a good lifestyle, but you weren't fulfilled. Because at the end of the day, if you're fulfilled, then you're good. Yes. But if the business, the way it looks like, is not fulfilling you, then there's still a missing component. 100. percent And that's why you shut it down and you're you're reinventing reinventing it back up again. Um, and what does that business look like moving forward now that you guys are working together?
0: <laughs> uh, the business now is I'm, I'm working with my first uh, mentee student uh, and. Uh, Taif as well, who's, uh, who's a uh, mentee of that keeps. And they have huge aspirations of building a wholesale company, so I'm kinda, I don't want the wholesale, right? I love the wholesale, I just don't wanna be in it, right? I, 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 for me, going through all this stuff, I understand business now, 100%, right? It's not a business, I was self-employed. Right. So now I want to switch where I'm in business and I'm in that Robert Kiyosaki quadrant. Yep. I'm, I'm business and I'm an investor. Right. So now I want to leverage my knowledge and let the people who are coming up, you go ahead, you run the business. Right,
2: Well, I can do other things as well. That's the position I'm in now. So we're doing, we're sort of doing a couple of startups uh, from wholesaling, commercial properties, Uh, we have a data company as well, a robotics company as well. Um, We're starting a community that we want to grow. And to the community, what we want to find is people that are, are, in a way, I guess, been through our same situations. Because growing up, when I had the other business with my brother, we used to sit down in, in meeting rooms, in our meeting room, and we used to mastermind and we used to say, man, where can we find other people like this that I, we would love to talk about business? And we just couldn't find them. And even here, there is, well, there is groups out here that are meetups and stuff like that, and even, even part of the communities that, that other people have. You go in there, you still don't have truly leadership people. You have a lot of people that are kind of, never done business at all like they're not even like it's either you're the way majority, out here or you're way in here. That's the majority. Right? People are never so doing anything. we're trying to grow a community of finding people that are like up and coming that have an understanding that are humble enough and open enough to learn from others because a lot of people coming up don't want to learn from nobody. They are super closed you know it's the evil. mindset part it's, well, it, it's, it's the beginning of everything <laughs> and so th- we're looking for the people that do have an open mind that are coachable, that are truly trainable. We would like to be their investors in in, in the future. You know, and right. I've seen the system. Like I told you, it works in everything now. So we're turning around everything that we're doing with the trick partners. Is we're building an automated system, putting them in the role. They're running the conveyor belts, right? Once it's flowing, we go and create another conveyor belt. Let that build. Let it run and spin like that. So that's kind of my part in that and this and this idea. Is uh, we look at businesses, we automate them. We so our benefit is our knowledge and, and and my knowledge as well, automating their businesses and then just guiding the people, true being true mentors to people, not gurus, mentors to people that are truly looking for a mentor, you know, somebody that you can say, hey, how do you think I should do this? this Marketing is not working. Well, right. there is three things that you have to take uh, in consideration, right?
1: When it yeah. comes to the mentorship, there's three levels of education. You have the mentor, the coach, yes. and the teacher. Yes. There is a difference in between the three. Now, mentor, a mentor can be somebody like Dean mm-hmm. You read a book, you picked up a lot from it. He, he's actually your mentor. Now, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know you that he's your mentor. You picked him as a mentor. I think what you're referring more is to be a coach. Because coaches are different. When you're in the football field and you're running, and you're not, your steps are not the way they're supposed to be. The coach comes in and says, hey, make, make your team. steps like that. Or when you're going to swing the bat, you're Tight swinging too low, you got to swing left, and your 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 elbow needs to be higher. That's the coach. So the coach, and you pick coaches, or the coaches pick you, depending on, on, on how the, 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 the organization runs, right? But the mentors, not necessarily, now you can pick somebody, or they can pick you. Like I said, hey, I want Ray to mentor me. Like, um, you know, on how to, even in prison. Like, how do you transition out of prison and not go back, right? Like, something like that. You pick a coach. Hey, this is what you do, man. You found yourself a group. You read these books. You work on yourself. You do bam, 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 bam. Now, if I say maybe a mentor is whatever you know the mentors they're they're like a little higher up but they don't they're mentoring people they don't even necessarily know they're mentoring the coach is more like this we're one-on-ones or or on, on a group coach and then there's the teachers the teachers i would say uh Sean Terry is a teacher. Why is that? Because Sean Terry will go get on a board, explain everything, and then sell those videos, right? How to do PPC, how to do this. Now he does coaching too, but that's on a higher level. So as long as you know which levels you are and how you're approaching it, I got no doubts that you're gonna be successful. Man, this one has gone a long time because it's two of you. And there is so much we still need to cover. Uh, but but I have another interview after you guys that I'm due. I was due 15 minutes ago.
0: Um, do, do me a favor. Give me two hot questions and let us add,
1: ask them in like seconds. Yeah. So, well, th- this is the thing. We're gonna have to do another podcast because th- this is this is. You guys got a lot more to add, um, and and I want the next podcast to be. Um, more your business, right? And and the, and I think the good thing is when we meet again on a podcast, you will now have in fruition what you're building today. Your plan will be running, and and now we can go back and say, hey, remember when you shut down your business in December? We met in January. You started this new, this new approach. How is it going today, right? But the questions that I like to ask uh, both of you. Um, is today, personal development.
2: How much of it do you guys do? Personal development? Yep. I would say I spend at least two hours a day on personal development. Is it in the morning, in the evening? So I have a long drive. I live in Buckeye. Yeah. It's about a 45 minute drive. Okay. I try to read, I'm, I'm trying to read as many books as I can, and that's how I've actually developed myself so much this, this last year. Okay. is every book I hear somebody mention, well, I put on my audio, and I'm listening to it on the way to work, and when I leave the office, on the way back home, I'm listening to the book. Sometimes if it's good, I'll get home, and I'll start reading with my kids and, right. and listening as well. Okay. So that, that's what I would say for self-development. Two hours of that reading But really, throughout the day, me and Ray are like masterminding. (laughs) Sometimes, too much, I think. Sometimes we do say, hey, "Man, we gotta break and <laughs> get we're to getting work." Getting to work because we do mastermind quite a bit. We, we strategize. We talk about business and what the state of the business is. Truly focusing on the business, not necessarily being in. Right. And, and right. kind of just how it's how that transition is working. Like, hey, are we still seeing ourselves in it, or are we on it? You know? Right. Uh, and if we're still in it, hey, this, where I'm working on this, man. He's like, what are you doing that? That you're being in? You know, it's a habit of breaking yourself right. from it and, and delegating and all that stuff." So right. We catch each other doing that I would say on a daily basis that's another form of self-development that we constantly work on as well got it what about you Ray um mine's a lot mine's intensive so
0: I read like an animal I don't sleep much um I meditate a lot. I just got introduced to psychedelics last year to help me break through a lot of stuff that I really, really need. Yeah, the onion. Yeah, I had to break through a lot of different stuff that helped me reach a different level. Um, I'm going heavier to more psychedelics, ayahuasca. I got coming up.
1: What are you getting with it? The secular delis.
0: Uh So I have a few people. I have my mentors. Brian Pontiano. Yeah, BP. Uh, I know BP. I, I put him. On, I, he was on my podcast okay. last year. Yeah. He's the one that introduced me to shrooms the first time around. Right. Like I was like I was struggling with some stuff. He's like, bro, you need to tap in because you have got that ego. So I had a, I had an ego check. Right. To let my ego down. Um, I took ayahuasca. I took DMT. Uh, so BP is my plug. Uh, my other business partner. Hook me up with the DMT. Uh, I have a girl who brings a shaman from Peru, whose, okay. name, whose name is Farron. Um, we take. Um, I met Farron. Farron, is she's the plug for the. I- yeah, <laughs> I met her at Corey's office. Yeah, <laughs> she's the plug. Yeah, she's the plug. Wow. So I die heavily when it comes to, to 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 personal development. That's my core backing. I am I am, I am a drug addict right. to personal development. I spend at least no no less than two thousand a month um, wow. on my personal development, reading, studying tapping the different stuff that everybody is kind of into um, right. so I can make sure I'm good I'm clear so I can come when I come to these guys I got a good mindset and my my bottle
2: is tapped. Good man. So I would add to that too because I started doing it since I started kind of going through Ray and him helping me with the mindset part is the um, meditation I, every morning, I wake up, usually first 30, 40 minutes of, of my morning. I wake up, I walk to my office, I'm at my house, I sit down, and just kind of go through my meditation. That's the time I I also write ideas or kind of think about what we're going to do in the in the day, and I'll write in a notebook, and that's and that's usually my first hour. Yeah, you have a morning routine. And, and then head out and start. But you need to sleep more. Yes, he does. Uh, He's texting me at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's, <laughs> no, you
1: have to sleep more because eventually... Um, your body needs to rest. That you know, r- resting has a has a has a, benefit. a benefit to it, right? Purpose. It's hard when you got so many things going in your head to find that peace to go to fall asleep. But you you know, meditating like you're already doing and kind of like meditating yourself to sleep will probably help you do that. Um, but then, yeah, what's what's a message to the audience, man? Like, what do you guys have to
2: say? I would say one thing, and this this is for me biggest thing that has transformed me this year, and we're actually trying to figure out if it's something that's teachable. I don't think it is, just from other books that I've read, is before you get into trying to be in real estate or in business in general, one, don't overthink it, just do it. Like Nike says, that's one thing I would say. But also focus on yourself, the mindset part is huge. Like, without mindset, understanding of energy and how things work, you will go on repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again until it finally clicks. So that's what I would say, focus on mindset, energy, and just doing it. Don't get, don't get stuck on overthinking things. Good, so what, what about you Ray? Uh, failure is your friend. Yeah. You will not get there if you're
0: trying to be successful. Um, you have to fail all the way through. Never give up, ever give up. So you're a prime example of that. Never
1: give up. Keep yeah. going. Um, and take care of yourself. Must. You gotta take care of yourself. Yeah, man, I, I, I admire you, dude, because uh, your journey, that that's a tough deal, brother. 12 years in, and four years in isolation, going crazy, working out of that to rebuild a new you, you know? finishing your GED and then getting your degrees, and then coming out to the world and and becoming a a success, that's a story of redemption. Um, Not that I don't admire you, it's just that it's two different, you know, there's two (laughs) completely different paths, um, because I'm more like you, right? I'm, I'm an immigrant as well, and and, um, and and I did come from a good family. I didn't, I didn't come from the slums, you know. I came from a middle class type family. Um, but when I see a, a story like that, yeah. that's something to to. Uh, your story should be out there. Which is what Corey says. <laughs> and everybody that hears it tells it. Your story <laughs> it needs to be it. out there because yes. You have the possibility of impacting so many people that are relatable, relatable to you um, that to make their lives better in the future because many of them go back okay. and they stay in until they die. Um, and it I is it's- the Drug addicts are the same. Yeah. President and Biden, sir, addicts are right here. Very similar, right? So you should you should write a book, you should have your own podcast, talk about all that stuff, because there are people out there looking for you. Yeah. You're just not out there yet. Yeah. As much as,
2: as, as you want it to be, right? And so. Well, that's that's kind of part of what we're working for with the whole being on the business, so that we can put the out-the-box brand, or, or just, in general, putting ourselves out there to put him out there as well, yeah. you know, get him on other places where, like, I was like, I, same thing for me, with the reason why I kind of really started, uh, I guess, chasing him and, and, and trying to work with him is, when I heard a story sending from me, I was like, wow, like, I thought i have gone through a crazy story, right? And I was like, and for Ray to be where he's at now, he must know something that I don't know, he understands something that I don't know. And, and I truly found it, you know, coming in without expectations, without being focused on the money, is another thing I would say is, a lot of people focus too much on the shiny object and we just follow, oh, is the next big thing, or the real estate is the next big thing, we just follow the shiny object sometimes. Um, I don't think that's the right, Idea it's just serving with the natural purpose, and, and for me, when I heard the story, I was like, "If there's somebody that I would love to help, like grow together with, that's the type of guy." That's I'll love. See, I love you it. You know, and uh, hopefully that, that's. You and know, you're doing what it, and you're gonna do it. together guys. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I appreciate you. We're gonna do round two. <laughs> I don't know when, but it'll be it'll be this year sometime. All right. Because um, I really wanna dive into the real estate portion of it. Like, what it is that you guys do now? You know, and I know you guys are in the wholesaling. And, and creative financing and all that, but I wanna I wanna see the progression of both of you thank for the next episode when we when we come back and, and next time we'll do it in Houston. That way you guys go to my studio and, and we'll do it there. But thank you so much, guys. Don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Where do people find you guys? Do you guys have a social media page yet or your uh... Instagram? Ray Spencer.
2: Ray Spencer. Facebook. Ray Spencer. Ray Spencer. What about you? Same thing on Instagram. I go by AB the Investor. Just A, B, period, the, period. Investor. Investor. Yeah.
1: Okay. And Ray is going to be at the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Event in Mastermind 8, uh, May 27th, 28th. Let's go. Austin, Texas. Go see him on stage. I'm looking forward to see you there. Bye.